So that's how like I got into the my the beauty company. But yeah, I, at that point, I didn't have a lot of money. It was just starting with about three thousand dollars, and within a two and a half year period, we were able to grow that company from literally zero to thirty three million in sales per year. Wow. So it was a really fast growth. But a lot of that, I would say, was a lot of that back then. It, a lot of it was about how to hack Amazon. Whoever hacked Amazon the best won. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of Want Money Got Money. I'm your host Sam Kamani. My today's guest is Bernardo de la Vega. He is the founder, entrepreneur, and has had multiple successful exits. In this episode, we talk about things like how an e-commerce company is different from a building a tech startup, how to hack Amazon and Apple stores, and how to use Facebook to your advantage. Before we get into it, I have another announcement. I have just started an Instagram where I would be putting all these notes and putting more info on all the guests and how you can connect with the guests. on my podcast and how you can connect with me so just go to instagram and search want money got money and you would find it having said all that without any further ado let's get into it right. so yeah. welcome to the show bernardo is great to have you here i really enjoyed our last conversation we had for your podcast and mm-hmm. i cannot wait to learn more in depth about all your past projects and also your current project for the benefit of our audience can you please um tell them what you are doing these days or what you are up to these days yes yeah so my name is bernardo uh della vega and i live in miami and i am i am a serial entrepreneur i've built and sold two seven figure e-commerce uh companies before one was a beauty company which i sold in 2018 and one was uh a food media and kitchen appliance company which also had an app so that was like i was saying like a little bit of a hybrid from a e-commerce company and a a tech company yes. and actually the app that is the best rated kitchen appliance app on the market and it's called Mealthy and so that one i sold 8 weeks ago so no longer doing e-commerce uh once i built an app i said this tech this tech site is very cool 11 months ago actually no i think it is like about a year ago so last september september of 2019 i started so pretty much a year I started working on this uh Fiesta app and it's obviously now I've gone through so many pivots but it's definitely very different what it is now from what it started. So when we first started I had the idea that I I felt there was a big need in the market for an app that told you where all the events for a a city were. And yeah. so the biggest rival there was Eventbrite but Eventbrite because it's a lot of like different promoters that are posting like yes. the promoter obviously is looking at his own best interest and then they're promoting all sorts of different things and they're promoting it like they're spamming eventbrite they're like best pool party here or best nightlife and then they put 40 of these listings they're just like automating i don't know how they're doing this but um in other words they're just like uh, yeah. putting so many so it's really hard to navigate through these 3000 things to do but so many of them are just like bad listings Yeah that's what I felt like Eventbrite somebody there could be a sort of a better thing. So we started working on this and then in February what was what obviously covid hit and we're like uh-oh like everything got canceled we are in the the event space with a sort of physical location event space and this is this is certainly not a good thing. So we were able to pivot really fast to uh virtual events. So it was now like combination of Eventbrite 
meets Zoom, yes. meets like uh, Instagram slash TikTok, so like social media elements. So that was started going well. And so we got to a point where we were in beta. And by the time we launched, we got to 5,000 users within two weeks. So pretty fast because a lot of what we realized is if we could just get the host to switch over to our platform, they would bring their audience. And they were really liking the platform, but we were, it was going to cost us so much money to scale. People were like, okay, your platform seems really good. Can I hold 80 people? Can I hold 150 people like Zoom? And, and our platform is really good uh, and very stable for a smaller quantities so up to 30, 40. It's perfectly fine. But it's that really big scale of people that were, it required a sort of massive amounts of sort of money and time, breakout rooms that Zoom offers. So we're like, okay, let's, and so I was thinking of what kind of things, what kind of assets, as you said in, during our interview, or what kind of value proposition can we offer that with the existing features, if we just pivot a little bit, we yep. can actually provide something really cool. And that's what we've done. Uh, so now what Fiesta is, in a very simple way of putting it, it's TikTok for podcasts. So yep. basically, people can record the podcast on Fiesta. Right now, we're, we're using Zoom. Shame on you for using Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have to, uh, I have to give Fiesta a we, try. We yeah. have to give it a go. We, yes. We, our official uh, launch date is uh, this Monday. That's I was just teasing you. Yeah. So you, yeah. Uh, you took it really well. <laughs> so yeah. So you can record your, the podcast and on Fiesta. The cool thing is we have the highlight button. So whenever somebody says something very interesting, some sort of pivot story or some sort of like inter- very interesting thing, uh, you click the highlight button and it grabs the last one minute of that. Uh, of the recording. So at the end of the recording, you have 30, 40 minute recording and you end up with four or five or six or however many like one minute video clips, which then appear on the app. And then on the app, they're super easy to edit. It's pretty much almost like the same sort of user interface as like editing a a video with like your, with your iPhone. You just move the, the little line from zero seconds to 10 seconds. And on the other end, from like the one minute to 40 seconds and you're done. And then you have your video, super easy. And then you post it and it's just like TikTok. There's like a video news feed. And then most importantly, people are incentivized to share each other's video clips. So basically just if you were to go to TikTok or Instagram and uh, you see somebody's post, if you were in some way incentivized to share their post on all other platforms, then you'd probably do it just because if you share their content, then that means that, uh, you're, you'll get more points. And when you get more yes. points or more likes or more or, or fires, uh, then your content shows up higher. So you're like, okay, the more I share other people's content, when I post, mine shows up higher. So yes. there, there is, we try to gamif- uh, gamify it uh, that way. So yes. we are, we're re- very excited about that. And then on top of that, what we're doing is we built the Amazon Alexa skill, which uh, we're very excited about. And we're basically, as a user, you would just say, Alexa, play Fiesta podcast clips and it would just start playing. So whatever you're doing, yeah. you know, whatever you're doing, same way they'd say, Alexa, play Bad Bunny. It's an artist that I like, a Puerto Rican artist. But instead of saying, play your favorite artist, you say, play Fiesta podcast clips and it starts uh, playing the clips. Yeah, that's what, um, that's what Fiesta is. So the user face is very interesting, is super easy. But the cool thing is, it's very like this cross-platform functionality. Record podcasts on the website, gamification on mobile apps and voice technology on Alexa and Google Home. So, yeah. Wow, you guys have done everything. <laughs> you <laughs> built every sort of platform nearly for Fiesta app. That's- yes, we have, we have. It's just exciting to get it going. And because we, we just felt, okay, how do we make it really easy for podcasters, uh, like for you yeah. and me, 
because unless you're massive, the Joe Rogan or the Lewis Howell or the Gary, yes. Gary Vee, everybody's biggest problem when it comes to podcasting uh, the amount is, of work it takes. Exactly. Yes. Amount I grow, of work. yes. People don't yes. realize it's like you had right. to... You have to first communicate with the guests, book a time, record yeah. the thing, do the editing, yeah. make small clips, audiograms and video clips and all sorts of things, and then share it out on social media and I, yeah. do the write-ups and, and everything yeah. and do the promotion. And so it is a lot of work. And I know some people who do pay editors and, and people to make these sort of video clips and they have to spend hundreds, if not thousands a month right. to right. do that sort of thing. The, the only yeah, alternative yeah. at the moment is you pay thousands or you spend 20 right. plus hours a week apart exactly. from your full-time yeah. job, just yeah. worrying about your podcast. So hundred percent. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're trying to solve for hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I just because I do talk with a lot of founders. The other day I was talking with founder of Welder. I don't know if you've heard. So it's a Polish company and yeah. they are competitors of Squadcast. Have you heard of Squadcast? Yes. Yes. I certainly have heard of Squadcast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like Squadcast, but with video as well. So it will record mm-hmm. a video on your side, record a video on my side, right. merge it in the cloud, and then you can download it from there for better quality because quality right. is the other problem. Then I use Descript as you might have heard of Descript. Then I use Capway. Yep. I use for, Descript too. Yep. Mm-hmm. For editing the videos and and I use Buzzsprout. But then a week later, I am interviewing, I think, CEO of Podbean or Matchmaker. Have you heard of Matchmaker? That's where the... Yep matchmaker.fm yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I use that i use i think it's a great uh tool to connect with other podcasters and get yeah. uh podcasters booked on your show mm-hmm. yeah so i'm doing that so it's um <clears throat> getting to meet more founders in the podcasting space who specialize in developing products for mm-hmm. podcasters and right. so it is very interesting and the number one problem or or the number one thing that they everyone says is the amount of time everything takes a good friend of mine who has a podcast for podcasters it's called for the love of podcasts and oh you know him he he recently launched that right yes yes billy recently launched that yes and so he was saying he spends about 15 to 20 hours per episode and he has two podcasts and multiple episodes a week so you can imagine the amount of work it takes (laughs) to, to run a podcast at at high quality but yeah he gets guests like jordan harbinger and all those yeah yeah i saw his very first episode he got jordan i was like that's a pretty strong start right there (laughs) yes yes because jordan gets like over six million listeners a month or something like that 6.1 now million um downloads a month so so it's all it's all good everyone starts jordan started 14 years ago he's got that much of a head start (laughs) right Um, yep so so now it's all all good you ran a very successful e-commerce company and now you are running a, or two successful e-commerce companies and now you are mm. running a tech startup. How do you think that's different to running those e-commerce companies? Yeah, I think the biggest difference is with e-commerce, you start doing one thing, right? When we started the yes. sort of the beauty company, you start launching different products, but you usually, what I call, you stay in your lane. You start, you keep doing sort of beauty unless you want to grow really sort of really big, but obviously you have the danger of diversifying. So most of the time you stay in your lane. We were doing essential oils and skincare and we just try to find, okay, well, what other essential oils can we launch? 
what other kind of skincare can we launch? For the same thing for the, for the food, meat, and kitchen appliance company, we started with a pressure cooker, and then we said, okay, what are some other things to, to cook, as, whether it's a pan, whether it's an air fryer, that, that kind of thing, and then we had the app. With the tech startup, like I said, we started with uh, an app that was, I would say, a close competitor to like Eventbrite, and we had our uh, ideas on how we could do ours better, yeah. even though I, I do think Eventbrite is a great platform. But now, you know, where we are right now, we are in a completely like, very different space. And uh, yeah, we've had two major pivots. And so I would say that's the biggest difference, right? It's just when with a tech company, you can start with one thing and you're like, oh, but this feature, this is interesting. So now if we just do add this or this feature, we could actually pivot to this. And so you can then now all of a sudden you, you pivot into something else that is completely different uh, because of like certain features that you already have. For example, the biggest thing that for us is on the first version, it was an event app, right? So yep. from an event app to a virtual event app, it made sense, the pivot. But then the, from the virtual event app to like TikTok for podcasts, it also kind of made, made sense because we're like, we already have video conferencing. We already have people having their profile. We already have the notifications. And we actually, we already had the, the video newsfeed, which we actually, the video newsfeed we had developed since the very first uh, version, because we were going to have this video newsfeed of if you go to this party, okay, like you can, if you're sitting at home, you can see what is going on at this location, at this location, and you can choose your best party. That was like yeah. the, the idea. So we already had this like video newsfeed kind of thing. But sometimes, like I said, is if you just keep launch something and then if it doesn't work, you can pivot into something else, but you have those features. You're like, okay, what kind of features do I have that I can really leverage that where if I do a slight pivot, we're certainly not starting from scratch. And actually, we may be in a really awesome position if we just change our value proposition a little bit better. So yes. I think uh, tech for me is absolutely 100%. For me, much more exciting. Yep. With e-commerce at one point, you're like, okay, well, we build another product, we uh, manufacture another product and you sell it, manufacture, sell it, create new product yes. within that same space, manufacture, sell, manufacture, sell, advertise. And uh, yeah, in the tech space, like I said, is there's just so much creativity there's so much really in terms of you can look at all these different features, but most importantly, yes. you can just really change your value proposition to, to be a completely new thing that yeah. is just, it just makes it very exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. With your first company, Radha Beauty, did you right. start it from scratch or did you acquire another company or products or how did you start? Yeah, I did study from scratch. When uh, I got into sort of internet marketing, actually, my very first experience with internet marketing was doing multi-level marketing. I literally went to Google and I typed in how to make money online. This was back in 2014. Um, actually, sorry, uh, 2013, because we started the yes. beauty company in 2014. And I literally started looking at like all these different like info products back then. There, a lot of them were very spammy. They all look very yes. spammy yes. or scammy. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So how to make money online. And I was like, what's this? And because I literally had seen a friend and he was saying like, oh, I've just made $10,000 last month from working from home. And I was like, that sounds really good. Uh, again, this was back in 2013. So I literally, instead of asking him, I went to Google, typed in, in that information. Fast forward is so on the nine months. I got pretty good at, you know, Facebook ads and, and, um, and Google ads and doing sales funnels. So it was definitely a very good learning. That by the time then somebody said, hey, you're really good at these ad, these, uh, running ads. Why don't you have your own company? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you can private label your products on Amazon. Yeah. And at that time, 
there was this very famous course that if you were thinking of doing Amazon, almost everybody took it. It was called amazing.com. I think they yeah. still have it. It's just certainly not what sort of, at one point it was, they made, uh, I remember that they made millions with each launch because they would launch it every six months and they'd have so many affiliates and it was all over Facebook. If you had anything to do with selling on Amazon, yeah. uh, when they did, and again, because they launched it every two, uh, two times a year, it was a really big thing. So that's how like I got into the, my, the beauty company. But yeah, I, at that point, I didn't have a lot of money. It was just starting with about $3,000. And within a two and a half year period, we were able to grow that company from literally zero to 33 million in sales per year. So it was a really fast growth. But a lot of that, I would say, was a lot of that back then. A lot of it was about how to hack Amazon. Whoever hacked Amazon the best won. And by hacking Amazon, which is one of the things, and I'll come back to this, but hacking, sometimes certain platforms, when they're new, you can hack them, right? By that means, like you can, you yeah, can do things. Yeah, shortcuts. And the biggest hack on Amazon back then was you could give away free product in exchange for a good review. Yes. And so you'd give away product and, and then you'd give away the, the product. They'd, they'd give you a review. And so I had this, this sort of email sequence where I would ask him, hey, once you leave a review, uh, just let us know uh, that you send us a link to your review and we're about to launch all these other products, right? So they, they would yes. reply with their review. And as long as they replied with a review, boom, we, we'd send them another product. And we yeah. launched we launch so many products really fast. Yes. And within a matter of two, three weeks, get all these reviews. But then obviously that, that stopped. But the funny thing is, so I was listening to an interview from the CEO of Musical.ly. And he said the same thing about the App Store. He said back in 2014 and 15, you could hack the Apple uh, Store because yep. he said that if you're, the name of your app was unlimited. So the way you could just put your, he said that they made their app, the name of the Musical.ly app, you know, lip syncing and performing application with video and audio for teenagers <laughs> and all, all these yes. things. So literally he said, we had this, this the, the, the title of the app was like Musical.ly and then all, all these, all the words, it was probably like, you know, he said it was probably about 30, 30 words, which obviously yes. right now you can't do. But he said, if by doing that, you like Apple would rank you higher because you started ranking for all these keywords because your title, uh, uh, Apple would look at your title and be like, okay, this is what we're looking at. And so yeah. like hack, that, they, they, they hack. So sometimes it's for all these sort of entrepreneurs out there. If you look at certain platforms, there's ways to hack it if they're relatively new. Why? Because that platform is, they're trying to figure out a lot of things. They're trying Absolutely. to grow. And so there's a lot of like loopholes that us marketers, sometimes we look at them and, oh, this, there's a, there's a, there's a guy, Ryan Moran, he says that marketers usually tend to ruin things, right? Why? Because yes. we start you know, looking at all these different ways that we can do, oh, what if we I do this? What if I could do this? Start, yeah. uh, and then you end up ruining, like uh, at one point, I remember uh, so many people would complain about the Amazon reviews. They're like all these Amazon reviews. Well, around 2017, 2018, there was yes. a massive, like all these articles written about Amazon, like how the reviews were not credible. And so now that has changed because yes. Amazon made that change. But within that process, it was just a matter of marketers trying to hack the system. But yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's very interesting because I have a book on Amazon and mm-hmm. even from 2019 to now, pretty much even genuine reviews, half of them or 80% of them, Amazon doesn't approve. They just won't show up. 
on your yeah. product or on yeah. your book yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah, no, even if it's genuine yeah. review. It, it just yep. says that, no, this person bought a product from you before. Um, they bought, bought a book from you before. <laughs> so the second review from the same person, Amazon doesn't allow anymore because right. it yeah. could be just as you said, it could be that if they bought first Sentinels. time and then second time you gave them product for free or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there yeah. is a yeah, lot yeah. of collateral damage <laughs> because <Yeah>. of marketing <laughs> hacks. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm partly responsible for that. I was uh, one of the ones hacking Amazon back in uh, 2015. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, to your point, yeah, it's just the whole thing of incentivized reviews. The funny thing, uh, what you say is Amazon literally went from one end of the spectrum to, yes. to the other end of the spectrum where it's just like you said, it's really hard now to get a review show up sometimes it will show up yes. and within two weeks like i see this all the time people saying oh i lost 30 percent of my reviews and then they more time passes and i lost another 60 yeah. percent of my reviews and it's a constant complaint yeah but that's what happens with any platform it's even if you look at facebook when it first started people used to post personal things they used to post baby pictures and they used to post yeah. pictures of their kids and sports activity everything they were doing they used to post what breakfast they're eating on facebook now facebook is only for ads and grumpy old men to to i don't know argue about politics that's what facebook <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. right. um, but yeah. that's what happens like that's like kind of every platform because yeah. Facebook was so good at its targeting that you could do right. such good ads that yeah, yeah. it's just now full of ads. And pretty much if you scroll down through your wall yeah. on Facebook, it's just yeah. ads, ads, ads. But, Hardly any personal updates at all. Yeah, but you know what? I think the power of Facebook, which yes. me makes power, Facebook super, still super powerful, is the Facebook groups. I'm in so oh, many Facebook super, groups. Super, super yes. powerful. And, and, so, and so you see ads, right? Because you're like, you're watching through your newsfeed. I'm in so many Facebook groups. So as I'm looking through my newsfeed, I'm like, oh, this group and this group, it's almost all uh, Facebook groups. groups because yes. all Facebook groups and ads. That's it. That's two yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Facebook groups and ads. So it's like really good content ad, really good content ad because it's like specific Facebook groups. So I agree with what you're saying. And yeah, if you're in a lot of Facebook groups, Facebook makes so much sense. And it's just yes. a very friendly platform when it comes to the Facebook groups. Yes. Uh, but, but yeah, newsfeed, without, with, if you're not in groups, it's just not a very good platform. Yeah, yeah if, just, you're, if you're oh, in man, zero yeah. groups, then there's no one posting anything. <laughs> when yeah, was, you know, last time your yeah. friends posted kids pic, their kids' pictures and it's not happening anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, LinkedIn is right now where Facebook was quite a few years ago where you still see posts, or that's my experience anyway, real posts by real people. And mm. the groups of LinkedIn are nearly non-existent. You don't see posts from groups in LinkedIn. LinkedIn has done really a bad, poor job at groups. That's right. my um, thought. But at the moment, there aren't that many marketers and you want like a higher share of voice. Like I was buying Google ads in 2004 when you could buy for cents, few cents. And mm -hmm. you and the same ads now cost $8 a click kind of a thing or $5 a click or something. So you want to buy when it's really cheap. And, and same thing as Gary Vee did and all that, that get jump on a platform when everything is cheap. Um, engagement comes really easily because everyone is a viewer and hardly anyone is a creator. So LinkedIn is in that position with 700 million people and only mm -hmm. one or 2% of the people making content. 
So you get a much larger share of voice. However, right. it is all going to change in the next one or two years as more people jump in and start creating content and marketers start mm-hmm. spamming it. Already you get a lot of spammy messages I get on LinkedIn, but it is right. going to be a lot more <laughs> in, in future and then it will be ruined and then we have to look for another platform <laughs> to promote right. stuff. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. And yeah. But very, yeah, yeah. very... Like, like- like you yeah. say, it's certainly, it's a content deficient platform, right? So um, yes. not enough content, uh, a whole lot of users, but it's just when you have one to 2%, based on what you said, I remember the, again, the, the CEO of Musical.ly, is, again, that's a, that's a great interview. He said that at one point, what they were doing is they looked at the numbers and 25%, they knew that they were onto something really big because mm-hmm. they had 25% of their, their user base creating content. And wow. he said... That was absolutely phenomenal. So when you compare that number to what you said of LinkedIn, it's one to 2%. And yeah. you're like, wow, when Musical.ly was taking off, 20, imagine having a platform where 25% of your user base is creating content. It's just, it's just there's so much content there created uh, and that they knew that it was going to blow up because of that number alone. So like, yes. again, comparing that to LinkedIn, it's a massive difference, right? It's 25X. So yeah, interesting that, comparison there. Yeah, that is because LinkedIn, a lot of people go to LinkedIn when they want a job because professionals, I'm not talking about marketers. You're working in as an engineer or something else. And then it's not a platform you go to look at family pictures. <laughs> and right, it's, yeah. other than that, it's pretty boring. It's not, there's no dances, there's no music, there's no song. Right. And, and LinkedIn is trying to change that by rewarding more story makers and rewarding more video content and all that, which is really good news for Fiesta app because people yeah. can post one minute clips and right. it is all useful content yeah so it's trying to do that but we'll see how that grow yeah. goes what about your second company uh, mildi was it yeah mildi yeah it, that one's a, a combination uh, of the word and i came up with that name at 3 a.m healthy and was meal. In yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah it's a combination of the meal word meal and healthy so yes. mildi yeah so that's where the, the name came from uh for that one because I had this, the beauty company, I said, oh, let me, let, I, I want to just do something else. And the beauty company d- did really well. The beauty company was just all Amazon. It was very hard yes. for us to go outside of Amazon. Going into retail was very hard. If you went into you know, Walmart or Target or any of those, oh, they were, you know, you're competing against brands that are one very established and where the price point was very low. We would have compete against brands that were selling a, like a shampoo or skincare for $11, $12 on the shelf. And therefore, when you look at you back out the cost of what you sell, need to sell it at wholesale and all these things, the product would have, you know, $4 cost like wholesale. Yeah. Yeah. You'll yeah, have to sell it like, at $4. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you have to manufacture for like a dollar or a dollar fifty. So you can actually yes. make $2 uh, on a, a profit. And then obviously, it's, you need the massive volume, which again, you're competing against these existing brands. So I said, okay, this food, meeting, kitchen appliance company, the space looked very interesting mm-hmm. because. All the brands that were doing well on Amazon, they were all really doing really well in retail, right? Which is not something yeah. that's within the beauty space. Uh, and what I also liked about it, it was high barrier to entry. There's a lot of things in terms of like yes. business, right? That you look at the business fundamentals. You can look at barriers to entry. You can look at you know, scalability. You can look at uh, leverage. You can look at the, the amount of like influencers. So there's a lot of things. Yeah. And there was just so many things that I liked about that space at that time. One, again, that you could, we could do retail. Obviously, we could do international. One of the things I really liked was 
the search. So if you looked at other recipe websites, uh, all recipes, they were getting 100 million visits uh, per month. And it was all content. It wasn't about like this product. It was just like recipes, recipes. And so then you had like Epicurious and the Food Network. So there was a massive amount of search traffic. And so to me, it's like, if we can have some good recipes, we can tap into some of the search traffic. So not only on the product side is there an opportunity, there's a, there's a content side as well. That is a massive uh, opportunity. And then on top of that, there was the app space, which I read that it was they, those apps were the third most used apps. So obviously the number one is all any sort of social media app, right? Facebook, yes. Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. Twitter, um, all that. Uh, Twitter, yeah. The number two is obviously transportation. Uber, Lyft, people use those yeah. all the time. But number three uh, was health and fitness slash uh, recipes, right? Recipe yes. apps. There's a massive amount of people, the sort of the typical mom that works from home that is just checking recipes and that is saving recipes and all these things to please the husband and to please the kids, uh, that kind of thing, depending on who, who cooks at home. Sometimes it's the husband who cooks. So anyway, so that to me, it just seemed like such a round business. Where with the beauty company, it was like there wasn't so much search. In other words, obviously yeah. there was some search, but there wasn't all these other like content sites that were like 100 million visitors a month. Yeah, that were like like in rest of food and you and also for for time. yeah for apps yeah for apps there also wasn't like this massive sort of demand for beauty apps like for one beauty app because it's just like selling products. So again, there were certain things that they were there for beauty, but not the way it was for kitchen appliance. So that's what I really liked about that space. And to me, I've always, as I've continued to involve as an entrepreneur, I like to look at, okay, what are the business fundamentals and what are all the areas of opportunity in this business that I, that are, are really interesting and obviously, when you go into something, you're naive of certain things because some things you're like, oh, I didn't know this. Well, the yeah. biggest thing that now that I know, and which, which is why I, I sold my kitchen appliance company, I would not go back to it, which I, I should have known, but I kind of didn't really look at it closely, was the product development life cycle. When you develop a, a, a beauty product, it could take two or three, maybe five weeks, depending yeah. on the product. But you can get it out done pretty fast, especially okay. if you already have existing uh, supplier. You're you know, looking at, okay, this oil, that cream, or sometimes you look at stock formula, you launch it, and then you're just improving it. Then you're like start tweaking it. So then it makes you a custom, custom formula. But you can stock with, start with a stock formula yes. and then really start uh, looking at where. So if you do that, you could get a product within two or three weeks. With kitchen appliance companies, average is about 10 months. Yeah. So if you come up with an idea, oh, That's we should pretty fast, actually. Yeah, fast and that is that. that is fast, right? You know, like the yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of with the complex products, you'll spend a year and a half, two years. So it's just yeah. really long where you come up with a sort of idea, then you develop some sort of like specs, then you develop some sort of prototype, you test the prototype. There's all these different problems with the prototype, yeah. or why it's not cost effective, or why it won't work, or why this is not feasible. Like all these different things, you have to go back to the drawing board when you finally figure it out. Then once you finally have your final prototype. Then you start doing the tooling. The tooling also takes a really long time. I was always so frustrated by why tooling takes such a long time. Uh, I was like, why is that? Why 30 days or why 45 days on the tooling? Right? Just like, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and then obviously then you do mass production. Well, you have to do a test uh, sort of mass production, make sure everything's fine. And then you actually do mass production. And then you have to make sure that all the certification is there. So there's just all these different things that to me, I was like, oh. As you can see, I'm very passionate about sort of business yes. uh, and I love talking about this. And so for me, 
somebody like for me and maybe other people who have been in the industry, like it's normal for them. But for somebody like me who likes speed, it just killed my motivation. After a while, I was like, I can't stand this. I can't stand me coming up with an idea and like launching the product literally like one year later. Whereas as with tech, once you, once you, you have fast. X amount of features, you can like, you're always testing and even the things are breaking, yes. you're testing and testing and like you're you having users and you add more feature and you fix this and you have more users and you, and so it's just a rolling thing. You, so yeah, that's kind of like the story behind the sort of the kitchen appliance company. Great fundamentals, just mass, super, extremely slow, slow product development life cycle that I was like, I need to sell this company. I can't be doing this anymore. So yeah. Yeah. You didn't think of, I'm sure maybe you did, of just buying an existing, going to like a, I don't know, someone who does a white label manufacturing and just see what products they have and label it with your brand and just promote your brand. Yeah, no, that's well, at first, like when I first got into it, so the funny thing is I literally tried to get into that business by buying somebody else's product. Yeah. There was a sous vide. Yeah, there was a sous vide. That was called the Juliet. Do you know what a sous vide is? It's you know, I know. Yep. Yeah. So it's a yeah, really so low temperature, water bath, warm water, really good. Exactly. Yes. yes. And all that. Yeah. 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 And there was a really good product called the Juliet, which actually yes. now they, I, I don't know if it's still around because they actually got bought. The company didn't do well. But at one point I reached out to them because it, it's owned by yes. Chef Steps. It was owned by Chef Steps then last year got acquired by Breville. But basically I reached out to him and because I was always selling these 15 to $20 products in the beauty space. And here there was this immersion circulator that was selling pretty well. They were selling about 30, 40 units a day because I could see by the, the, the seller ranking, the Amazon seller ranking. But it was at $199. I was like, okay, this product cost them about 30, 35 to make. Their yeah. margins were really big. And then they had an app as well. I was like, this is so cool. So I literally called up the guy. I finally got a, you know, a hold of the CEO. And I said, hey, I'll buy your company. I'll, I'll give you $2 million. I, I literally said that on the phone. He was like, no, that's ridiculous. My company's worth hundred million. I was like, what do you mean? How? Because I, yeah. I, all I knew was the product and then, you know, turned out that they had their website and they sold so much subscription packages through yeah. their website, like subscription about like recipes because it was owned by, you know, one of the owners was a Michelin star, a restaurant. So that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you know, that, that's what I tried to do that at the beginning of yeah. just buying an existing product that had good margins and like just go, going with it and just leveraging all my Amazon expertise to just grow it a lot more. But that didn't sort of turn out so well. And then I got into the pressure cooker space because he's the one who said, but why are you looking at me? Because he said, okay, this guy knows about Amazon because of his beauty yes. company. You should look at, the, at the, the, the pressure cooker space. That one's doing really well. And that's why I looked at the pressure yeah. cooker space. And that's how, I, we, that's the, how the first product came about. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yep. I, I know that. Yes. The thing is that if you can build a subscription model attached to a physical company, like a hardware type, like what you were doing, that is amazingly yeah. profitable because yeah. I was in the supplement space, built a multi-million dollar company and all that. And the more successful ones, what they did was that they got people in whether you have to give something away for free or it doesn't matter. It's a bit like Xbox and PlayStation where they lose money on the initial hardware. You know, they lose like $100 per Xbox. This is, I don't know right now, but back in the days they used to when they first introduced and stuff. But then they make, say uh, money from the sales of each game which is like right. 100 yes. 60 yeah. 70 dollars yeah. or something like that yeah, yeah. um so yeah. it's that sort of a model yeah 
But no, that's very cool. I wanted to find out what advice would you have for someone who's just starting out, say, in e-commerce space, since you have had so much experience in that, or what would you do if you were starting out in, in the e-commerce space for acquiring users or, or, or customers? Yeah, one definitely go after a specific niche, right? So don't go something like uh, like a broad sup- supplement, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, protein powder. That's that's. But yes, exactly. So crowded. So one going after a niche would uh, would certainly be uh, one thing. What really worked for us, and because it was a kitchen appliance space, is our Facebook group was really good. So you need to understand for that. For our beauty company, we, our Facebook group didn't do really well because I saw this in other sort of brands and there was one brand that was doing this really well with our Facebook group. So for us, we really, from the very beginning, I'm like, okay, we're going to build these things, but we're really going to push our Facebook group because then it's like we had all, this, all these testimonials and then yeah. I would, obviously I would recommend is do a testimonial-based uh, marketing where you're like, instead of, hey, a buyer product is really good, it has these features, or buy our product because it, it saves time with cooking. You, you literally are running ads that from somebody who says, I love my meal product because every time I get home, I'm able to make a, a dinner for my kids in 15 minutes. Or somebody else saying, I was somebody that always ordered out. And since I bought my meal product, I'm now able to buy a sell within a uh, cook within 15 minutes. So that, yeah. that kind of testimonial based marketing. And therefore, if you have a place where you all like your raving fans exist, that's really good. So I would say, from my experience, try to look at some niche, one, one niche. Two, try to look at a, like a product where you can build a pretty good Facebook group. Or a probably, community. Yes, or a community, yeah, or community. But Because you, what you'll find there is that there's 5 or 10% of the brands out there in that your competitors that are actually doing a really good job at that. Yeah. And then take it to one more, take it um, further one more level, which is then grab all these testimonials and really milk those testimonials to where all your ads are all about. But Marie said this and Jen said this and Vanessa said this and depending on your products. And so then you're not like our product is really good. All the benefits is just so much testimonial. And then even as you're emailing and you have, you're building your email list, you're providing a little bit of value and you're always testimonial and you're able to do that because of the fact that you're able to harness the community and you're able to really double down. And obviously uh, also with all the retargeting, anybody comes to your site, boom, you retarget them with this testimonial based based ad as opposed to a product here, the features nine in one cooks uh, food really fast. It's just, here's what this customer said. So that's how I would approach going into e-commerce, really going after a community and doing a testimonial based uh, marketing. Fantastic, fantastic advice. Now with your third company, Fiesta app, for any of the audience listening, do you have an ask? What are you looking for? Are you looking for users, team members, investors? What are you, what's yeah, your so one I, I, one, I am looking for actually a co-founder yep. because right now I own 100% of the business. I think there's an interesting sort of partnership that I, that I could do with uh, somebody who's uh, very good at growth within yeah. the SaaS space, right? Like within yeah. the tech space. Uh, so I think there's a you know opportunity there. I am looking to raise money pretty soon. Probably looking at as soon as sometime early next week. Starting to with that process. Just wanted to launch. So we are launching on Monday. So which is like uh, September seventh. 
So yes. we are pretty much ready to, to launch. And yeah, uh, absolutely. By far, the biggest thing that we're obviously looking for is users, right? Because we're launching yeah. on Monday. So we want you know people to start using our platform. We think is, obviously, we're biased. Everybody thinks their product is awesome. But we think it's really an awesome platform because we are taking, we're making, promoting, and marketing your podcast so easy where while you're recording your podcast, you can now generate these video clips. And then not only that, as it generates the video clips, so it's super easy to share. One of the things I'm I'm sure that is the best way to grow your audience is to leverage somebody else's audience, like leverage their credibility. But then the, the best way to get that person to share your content is if you make it really easy, right? Yes. So in this case, for example, during this interview, if you give me the assets within two, three, four, one week of all the videos for me to share, like you make it really easy. I'm like, okay, all I have to do, you, you here are the videos and all I have to do is just post it on my social platforms. And then it's all, it's already me who's talking. Yes. So as you, as so if you can make that really easy, so we're like, okay, if we're making one, you're leveraging other people's credit audiences by interviewing them. But most importantly, which I feel a lot of people miss this, is you have to give that person who just interviewed, you have to make it really easy for them to share your content, which is what we're doing with the Fiesta app. And then most important, like like TikTok metal, which is why I say yes. we're TikTok for podcasts, is that there's a place where people can say, oh, I see the video, but there it has Fiesta. So there's a place where I can go to look at more clips like this, not only from this podcast, but other podcasts. So then there's, there's a place for much more information. So then it allow me to keep looking at, at your podcast, whoever is looking at, yes. at, that, at that kind of sort of information, people looking at these kind of video clips. So that's what we're trying to do. Combining, again, different elements of the, the gaps in the market. Like I said, TikTok elements, uh, social media elements, but the more importantly, like the gamification, which I don't think, Anybody has really gotten gamification right in the podcast space. If you go into the app store the, or the play store, you, obviously there's a whole ton of platforms where you can play podcasts, but none of it is getting gamified. And if there's one thing that made Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, obviously Facebook, very, very successful is the gamification of the, these platforms that just makes it just very like this viral loop. So that's what we're yes. trying to uh, focus on. And obviously, just like with any platform, Obviously, a shameless plug here, but if getting into Facebook in 2009 and 2010, that was like really great time. Getting great into time. Instagram yes. 2014, 2015, that was really awesome. Getting into TikTok a year and a half ago was really awesome. Getting yes. into Snapchat probably about 2016, 2017, yes. also uh, really the right time. So as we're launching, getting into Fiesta early on and really building your, your instead of likes, we have this fire count or a lit count, build, started building that up so that you're, you've become a Fiesta influencer. So just like with all these platforms, we're looking for people who are great content creators and that eventually can become influencers. And obviously becoming an influencer on a platform, a, a great influencer means there's a very big business model, business opportunity there. Just like you have TikTok uh, influencers and Instagram influencers and the big influencers do millions of dollars like a, a year. And obviously, there's a whole lot of influencers that make any of the world like 10,000 or, or that kind of stuff. But there's definitely sort of like a business model there, in which we are definitely looking at developing with Fiesta. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That is super valuable. Look, what I will do is I will put 
Fiesta app, a link, link to Fiesta app, a link to your profile and to any of your social profiles underneath mm-hmm. in the description where people can reach out to you. And especially if anyone is listening who's really good at growing SaaS products, reach out to Bernardo. You will find all his links wherever this um, content goes up. Thank you so much, Bernardo, for your time. Yeah, no, thank you. This was uh, this was awesome. I had a lot of fun. It's always great talking to you. We had a lot of fun on my podcast and uh, it was so much fun on this podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.